The Bleed Smart Sportscast is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-outline lithium and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, SunMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout. That's coupon code BOSTON, all per case at checkout, and save 20% off your entire order. 20% off those already low prices. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON, all per case at checkout, and save big today. Sunmaxbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome into another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. And this week, we're talking to Guy Boston Sports' own longtime friend of the podcast, Sean Palmer. Sean, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's it's good to be back. Luckily, I didn't lose my voice at the Red Sox game last night. I thought I was going to. Well, that's, that's what we're here to talk about, Sean. The Red Sox, now in first place in the American League, number one, uh, overtook the Astros last night. And it's looking pretty good for the Red Sox. And I know you were at the game last night. So tell me, what's your assessment of this team right now? I mean, that on this hot streak, five-game winning streak, obviously coming off the sweep of the Yankees as part of uh, just their, their incredible play recently. So what have you thought of the team so far? In these, these re- Let's just start with the last two weeks, and then maybe later we'll get to the season as a whole. You know, go, before going to the Yankees, we kind of had a rough couple of ga- games against the Rays. But after we beat the Yankees and then beat the Royals these last two games when we were down a couple of runs, I'm feeling really good about this team. You know, regardless of how bad they play defensively and pitching, their offense is starting to come alive, and that's really what we've been waiting for. Yeah, and it's really been incredible, and it feels like it's just been an incredible surprise how good the Red Sox have been. I know coming into the season, they were they had their worst World Series odds in like 50 years or something like that. It was like 50 to 1. They'd never been that low in such a long time, and it, it seemed like the team was destined for another last place finish, and they they got off to this hot start, and it felt like for weeks it was you know expecting it to fall off, expecting them to come back down to earth a little bit, and it just hasn't happened. And they keep going on this insane trajectory as this elite team. I mean, wh- why do you think we weren't able to see this coming, and how has this kind of evolved into a team that is really? I mean, it, maybe you can agree or disagree, but. A, a serious World Series contender. You know, last year it's it's hard to kind of think about how bad they were, but once we got quarterback, I was optimistic about this team, but I did not think they were going to be this good. I had some questions about the bullpen, and then when we started 0-3 and our offense looked that bad, I thought the offense was our only hope, and when I saw them produce that poorly, I thought we were screwed, and then that's what I get for being reactionary, but they turned it around, and it's just it's blowing people's minds. It's even better that the Yankees suck, and it's truly. I w- I wish I threw that bet down at the beginning of the year. I f- I felt confident, but I just I was still didn't do it. So I guess there was an underlying kind of doubt there. Well, I was gonna save this for later, but you mentioned it, so let's just get right into it. You mentioned the bullpen, and it for the last few seasons, uh, almost for as long as I can remember. But let's just stick with the last few seasons. 
the Red Sox bullpen has been kind of a nightmare. And even dating back to 2018, the year they were so good, it was it, you, you had wanted to stay away from the bullpen. You were scared of the bullpen. You were scared that's what was going to blow it for this team. And you were like, you, know, you had Chris Sale, obviously, and David Price at the time, Rick Porcello. And you thought, just give us as many innings as you can and avoid having to go to the bullpen. We just got to avoid having to go to the bullpen. And now, this season, it's like, get me to the bullpen as fast as possible. Just get those guys out there as soon as you possibly can. Get me, get these starters out of the game and get me to the bullpen. It's crazy how much it's shifted. And I, we can also thank the Yankees for that, for gift-wrapping us, Garrett Whitlock and Adam Ottavino. Those guys have been absolute studs. And, it's, and Matt Barnes on a contract year, if we don't have him as our closer, the bullpen kind of falls apart. And I can't pronounce the guy's name. We got him from Japan, I believe. He's been fairly solid most of the year and that's been a staple for us we can turn to these guys last year like you said like it was awful but now this year we want the starters out we want the bullpen and they're that exciting they're that reliable and the biggest surprise i'd have to say is somebody a lot of us wanted to be sent to the moon or the sun actually was taylor and he's been unbelievable the last two months that is a huge surprise to me and that's kind of keeping our bullpen glued together i think right and I think what's really incredible about it, and I know pitching's up across the MLB, so I don't want to overreact too much, but they they have like been much better than the starters, so it's it's really been a revelation. And just comparing it to the last two years, like you realize um, there are eight players, eight relievers in the bullpen right now that have an ERA of 3.04 or lower. Do you know how many players there were? The only one who's under that is uh, the only one who isn't under that is I think Matt Andrews is the only one, that, and he's been terrible. Um, but it's it's just ridiculous that they have eight relievers right now that have an ERA that low. Do you know how many they've had combined over the last two years at or below that mark? I'm scared to guess. You say there's eight right now, and this is by the way, this is minimum just this is the lowest minimum you could possibly do. Minimum ten innings pitched, and yes, they have eight right now. So just take. Do you care to guess the last two seasons combined how many they've actually had in their bullpen under three point at or under three point oh four? I get over over three. I'm sorry, Sean. It's two. It is two. Oh my it's god! It's just Josh Taylor and I think it was Josh Taylor and Brandon Workman over the last two years. At, at one point in those two seasons, had an ERA below that, and that was it. That was all for those those entire the entirety of those two seasons. So the fact that they have eight now is ridiculous. And you mentioned Whitlock and uh, um. Adovino, who obviously been incredible. Another name, Matt Barnes, who's having a great season, and just his ranks among closers. And I did this a few uh, a few months ago, but it's worth uh, throwing out there now too. Right now, kind of middle of the pack among closers in ERA, only 13th out of 22 closers with at least 10 saves, uh, with double digit saves this season. So you know, n- not great, but his WHIP is fifth amongst those 22 closers, and his uh, K's per nine is fourth. So a couple of stats where Matt Barnes has pretty much emerged as one of baseball's elite closers. And I think, you know, despite the ERA, it's fair to classify him as that right now, as, as amongst those the best guys in the league at, at his spot. I agree. And, you know, he's had a couple rough outings that have kind of inflated that ERA, like the one against the Angels where Trout got that blooper, then Tani hit a bomb, and then a couple unlucky walk-off hits. But you're know, talking about the whip and the control – that's been a big issue his whole entire career where he just comes out and you're just waiting for him to walk the bases loaded. But now he's throwing first pitch strikes at an incredible rate. And you don't feel as you don't feel really nervous at all, to be honest, when he comes out of the into the game. He's been a game changer and he's probably 
pricing himself out of Boston right now because I don't think Heim's going to spend the money. I wish he would, but I think Barnes might be on his way out of here if he keeps this up next year. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, on the surface of it, it feels like the Red Sox, they're still kind of in the middle of this payroll reset. So I feel like if they really wanted Barnes, they could pay him. I just question whether they're going to feel like, well, you know, we found Barnes kind of out of nowhere and we found, you know, Garrett Whitlock and Adam, well, not so much Adam Adovino, but, you know, we found these other relievers kind of out of nowhere. We'll just do that again. We're not going to pay big money to to keep Matt Barnes around. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that works out for them. On the surface of it, they've had so many bullpen problems over the years that I would say you are playing with fire if you're just assuming, well, we're just going to pick someone up off the scrap heap and turn them into a good closer. That I mean, we've seen them try that, and it's worked for some teams, but it hasn't worked for the Red Sox. So that is taking a real risk, and I, I hope they don't do that. You know, Heim Bloom, not to compare Heim Bloom to Bill Belichick, but he kind of he finds these guys who don't work out somewhere else. He finds their strengths, and he finds the best way to utilize them, and these teams are second-guessing, why do we let these people go? And that's what Whitlock's doing. That's what Adovino's doing. That's what a few other guys are doing. So it's definitely possible that Heim Bloom could find that guy. But when we're trying to contend the next couple of years, which apparently has been accelerated, it's kind of risky to let guys walk and just hope you find that diamond in the rough. And I know I've, I've thrown a ton of stats at you already, but I, I got one more for you. And I, you know I'm a stats guy, so I love, I love looking up these things and stuff like that. But uh, I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you guess again. So get ready. Where do you think Garrett Whitlock ranks in the MLB? in ERA with a minimum of 30 innings pitched. Is this for relievers? This is in the entire uh, Major League ba- the entirety of Major League Baseball. I know there's Jacob DeGrom than everybody else. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be too generous. I'll I'll say uh, I'll say 15th. 7th. Oh. 7th in the MLB in ERA minimum 30 innings pitched this season. He's really epitomized the Red Sox bullpen becoming a strength and it's it's remarkable, and it's you know as a whole their team uh, is it's funny because I was looking this up today. Um, the league average ERA is four point one two, and the Red Sox ERA that right now is exactly four point one two. They're exactly league average with their pitching, and it's you know obviously it's kind of um, a little bit you know skewed in terms of starters and relievers. Obviously the starters are, have been much worse than the relievers, so it kind of is there's an imbalance there. But it's funny how it's worked out and evened out right at uh, right at league average, and on the surface of it, with the Red Sox offense, that's all we've really been asking for ever is just league average pitching across the board, and that should should be enough with their great bats, whether it was you know the, the guys in 2018 or now even with Devers, Martinez, Bogards, like all you ever needed was league average pitching. Now, this, if you really want to contend for the World Series. You probably need Chris Sale to come back, who's the guy we're going to talk about in a moment, and be you know the the leader of that staff to help bring it all along a little bit. But on the surface of things, this is this is exactly what the Red Sox have kind of been missing for so long. And now that they have it, it's it's pretty logical that they've been as good as they have because we know how dominant their offense can be. And I saw this stat out there the other day. It's been pretty crazy. I don't know the exact number, but I believe they're like. 44 and like three or 44 and four when they score more than four runs, which is just absolutely incredible. And that's what we just need average pitching, give up four runs or less. And this team is going to win a lot of games. And I, like you said, we're going to mention Chris Sale in a minute. When, once he comes back, things are going to get even better. Yeah. And I saw another stat the other day that was uh, about their record too. I think it was referring to 
when they when a starter leaves with the lead versus going to lead because obviously we've mentioned the fact that their starters have been kind of you know uh, kind of iffy at times this season right not, not as good as the bullpen so uh, as you'd expect the when the starters leave the game with a lead and hand it to that stellar bullpen they're typically their record is pretty good so uh, this was just the. This was a few days ago, so I don't know uh, how it's updated since. But this was the last 19 games um, as of June 26th, and this was Boston Sports Info. Credit to him for tweeting this out. The Red Sox, when a starter left the game with a lead, they were five and zero. When a starter left the game when they were tied, they were three and one. And when the starter left the game uh, trailing, they were three and seven. So tied or with the lead, handing it to the Red Sox bullpen. Eight and one over that stretch, which is just again another another way to just kind of um, illustrate their dominance out there this season. They've been really holding it down, and I think you had a couple more pieces out there. We're still waiting for Ryan Brazier, and I don't even know if he knows how to pitch anymore. The last time we saw him really productive was in 2018. So if he can come back and be just a little bit of that, this bullpen's going to be even better. And last night was tough for Nick Pavetta. That was his worst start of the year. I mean, he's almost thrown a no-hitter two or three times this year, so our rotation is definitely unpredictable. Yeah, and it feels like the Red Sox are the only team in the MLB that hasn't thrown a no-hitter this season. I, you know, I, And I feel like they have to be on the list of longest droughts, because if I'm not mistaken, I think it was John Lester was the last one, right? John Lester was the last no-hitter in Red Sox history. So they're overdue for one. So, hey, with all these no-hitters happening... Someone's got to do it, and hey, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be Chris Sale, because um, as as we mentioned, he's working his way back. Started seeing him throw some simulated games, getting a lot of work in the bullpen, and the Red Sox are making sure to promote it. They are not missing the chance to let you know on social media with all the videos they're putting out there that Chris Sale is on his way back, which should be a sign that they're pretty optimistic about uh, what Keat could bring when he returns. You know, obviously. It depends on whose decision it exactly is to post those videos, but they're not being shy about it. So what do you make of uh, Chris Sale, all these all these videos we're seeing, him working his way back, and what do you expect from him upon his return? Well, first off, if he does throw a no-hitter for the sake of the Jordan's Furniture no-hitter campaign for the customers, I hope he waits till after that deadline so they can get that free furniture. And I think Chris Sale could be that guy. And it's been pretty exciting to see Chris Sale ramp up on social media, like you said. They're, they're not hiding it. They're getting fans revved up. I'm sure Chris Sale's excited. And, you know, usually we only get the last couple of years since he's been in Boston is a half a season where Chris Sale looks like himself and dominant and he's healthy. So we're getting him for the second half of the year. I'm really excited what he can give us. And compared to what we already have, it's going to be a, a big upgrade. And I think just his energy and him being around the club more is going to be a, a huge impact. You saw him screaming and swearing in the, in the World Series back, I think it was Game 5. In 2018, he's such a presence in this locker room, even though he's like 90 pounds soaking wet. But he's a huge presence in that locker room. Yeah, and there is obviously, there has to be some concern over exactly what you're going to get from Chris Sale immediately once he comes back. Because, you know, we know that he can be, uh, he's, he's been dominant in the past. And pitchers coming off of Tommy John surgery, Usually it, uh, you know, they're they're pretty good once they return. Like I mean, and this is uh, obviously going to be kind of an extreme example because this guy is uh, both a both a hitter and a pitcher. But um, Shohei Otani obviously had Tommy John surgery and he still looks pretty good. You know, he's uh, I would say the the runaway favorite for 
um, you know, the the uh, the MVP right now. So it's hard to argue with those results. But do you think that it? Uh, how, what do you? Th- the Red Sox seem to appear to be being pretty careful with him right now, so ramping him up slowly, not rushing him back. I mean, he said he wanted to pitch tomorrow. So he said that a few weeks ago. So we know he's ready to get back on the field. But the Red Sox have been very careful with him. Do you expect that careful approach to kind of continue when he comes back, limit his innings, limit his pitch count to lower than you would typically expect? Do you, do you could you imagine them kind of taking that sort of approach with him? I think they're going to use this second half almost like a spring training with him, kind of ramp him up. Maybe as we get closer to September and October, they kind of let him let him get a little bit more loose out there. But I think they're definitely going to want to be careful. I mean, Cora's kind of had a quick uh, leash all year with starters, and then you got you throw Chris Sale on top of that, who's going to be a huge factor in if, whether we win this World Series or not. I think they definitely have to be careful, especially with the contract he got. I mean, if we don't give Chris Sale that contract, there might be a there might be a little more wiggle room to keep Mookie Betts in Boston. We don't have to go down that road, but there's a lot riding on this guy financially and on the field. Yeah, and, and one of the names that uh, you can point to is you're kind of looking across the league, other than Shohei Otani, obviously a big one, um, that have come back from Tommy John surgery. Um, Lance McCullers was another one who left, and when uh, you know in the season before uh, he. You know, had his Tommy John surgery in 2018. Um, he had a 3.89 ERA, and then in 2020, he had a 3.93 ERA. So, so, so not that much of a difference. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think that when Sale comes back, you should be expecting a dominant version of Chris Sale. Whether you're going to get one, I suppose, is still another question because there were other concerns about Chris Sale dis, uh, besides the, the injury concern uh, before he obviously went down and got the Tommy John surgery. Um, when he left in 2019, and some of it might have had to do with the, uh, the 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 injury as well, but he had a 4.4 ERA in 2019 before he got injured, and that was up from obviously his dominant you know sub three ERAs that he had before. So, you know, I think that we should all be hoping that we're going to see the the version of Chris Sale that you know we all thought was a potential Cy Young Award winner, and probably you could argue should have won the Cy Young in 2017. But I I have my you know I have my doubts I seriously have my doubts and they have a lot of money left on this contract so to me like I I'm hoping he comes back and is the ace they need and helps lead them to a World Series but my confidence level in him is still kind of iffy overall. He definitely needs to be the best. I mean we love Nathan Eovaldi but he can't be our number one guy and the way Erod's pitched. I know he's had a couple good starts lately, but we can't go into a, a playoff series with Erod and Eovaldi being our best two guys. We have to be able to push them down if we need to and have Chris Sale leading this rotation because most of the time the offense kind of goes down in the playoffs. There's a lot of good pitching, so we can't afford to be down by multiple runs in the playoffs or we're not going to get very far. So, And Sean, he's signed for through, for the next, not just this season, but three seasons after that for $29 million a pop. So like... They really need to get something out of that contract because we saw the way that, you know, and not to, I mean, I know, not to disparage him, he just had his great night, but we saw the way Pedroia's contract being on the books with him injured kind of hindered them in some ways. They can't have another big contract that they're getting nothing out of on the roster. We've had a lot of those over the last few years. You know, I think we're still paying Manny Ramirez. We've had Pablo, Hanley for a little bit. You mentioned Pedroia, which was a, that was tough, but. That was kind of the last thing Dombrowski did was give Sale that huge contract and get fired. So 
Haim has some tough decisions. If he's not good this year, maybe he looks to move him. I don't know. I don't know if you can move that money, but he needs to really prove it, I think, this year that he's healthy. Um, and we obviously have hinted at it, but I want to get to it here a little bit too. The MLB's substance uh, issues uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously they say they're going to start cracking down on it in the last uh, or three weeks ago, and there's been a lot that's happened since then with a lot of pitchers across the MLB. Obviously, one of the guys the Red Sox just faced, Garrett Cole, one of the faces of the issue and how it's affected pitchers across the MLB. So we're three weeks into this sort of crackdown on, on spider tack and pine tar and whatever else you want to, whatever else the pitchers are, are using, uh, sunscreen, whatever it might be. So um, what have you thought of the how it's affected pitching across the league so far? I mean, I love to see Garrett Cole struggling, but seeing Glass now come out and say that because of this sudden change, he was injured. We don't know if that's true, but maybe it is. Maybe he's thrown differently because of this. I would have liked to see this happen before the season started or wait till the offseason because it's just it's it's going to change a lot of things. I, I know it, they think it's cheating and all this, but this is the way they've been pitching for a while. And with the tension between the MLB players and the players union, we have a a CBA coming up after the year. I think we might have a uh, a lockout next year. So I think this was just a bad time to do this. What do you personally think the answer is? Do you think there is some way that the MLB can offer, you know, maybe one of these substances in a limited amount or, you know, find some way to regulate it for pitchers to use or some other? What would you personally like to see happen? They just need to find some uniform substance that can be used across the boards for everybody that they can regulate, that can be legal for everybody. So you don't got people sneaking around, spider tacked and mixing sunscreen with rosin. Like there needs to be a better solution than just halting it mid-season. And like Garrett Richards has been, it's been a little too much how he's complained about after every star. And he's, I think he's really in his head. He thinks he doesn't know how to pitch anymore without this stuff, which I don't think is true. But they need to find a way to get everybody on the same page. I know it's hard because what can the batters do to get an advantage besides having cameras and trash cans so you got to find a level playing field for both sides yeah and it, it's it is just crazy how much of this goes on in baseball on a regular basis like you say what can batters do uh, to get an advantage i mean we saw during the steroid era they, they found a way so it seems like there's always a little bit of this uh, going on and it's difficult to to for the mlb to manage but um and you know maybe sign stealing as well i guess you can you can loop in there but uh, you know, I, I think that you're right. I think finding a way to regulate it is the, the right way to go about it. I still wonder if there are going to be some, if there's going to be some sort of backlash to that. Because obviously, right now, it, it is completely illegal. And legalizing something you would usually classify as giving a player an unfair advantage in a sport is a little bit odd. Uh, not something that you'd, you'd typically, you know, see happen. But I think considering where the game is at and the kind of bursts of offense we've seen oh, uh, in the previous seasons and the, the, the advantage that hitters have, have come just through analytics, which is an entirely different story, um, to now the this weird sort of area with pitching, I think that this actually gives the MLB a nice opportunity to say, you know what, we can find balance in the game if we just figure out what the right amount of this substance to let pitchers use is. And if we find that perfect amount, that sweet spot, 
then we can get the game back in a good place where there's a nice little, again, a balance of pitching and hitting and offense and, you know, pitching and all this stuff and get the game back to, to where it should be. And I think we've definitely seen a spike in offense since this was implemented. And you've seen some of the stats with the spin rates going down drastically. We'll see what it does for the game. I know a lot of people hate Rob Manfred. He might be the most hated commissioner of all sports right now. You think he, I think he surpassed Roger Goodell with the amount of changes he has made to the game of baseball. So he has a lot to do this offseason before one of these pitches throws a fastball at his head. So they need to get a plan together. They need to do it quick. Could they bring steroids back? That would be a lot of fun, but it's not going to happen. So I don't know what their solution is going to be. I know some batters are like, please, these guys are throwing 100. We want them to have a good grip on the fastball. But at the same time, they're using it to manipulate the curve and breaking balls, not necessarily to save people's lives. And I forgot to ask you earlier, but uh, it's changing topics. We're going to wrap up here soon. What was it like at the game the other day? Obviously, was this your first game back? And basically, you know, since Fenway went to full capacity. This was my second game this season. But the first game I went to was early April. And there was 4,000 people in a day game. We got our ass kicked last night. As hot as it was, about 91 at first pitch, it was absolutely electric. And that was against the Royals. So I can imagine the Red Sox-Yankees series later in the season. or Just last weekend, it was just incredible. My voice was strained. People were having fun. It was the loudest I've, 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 maybe it's because it's been a couple of years, but it was just, it was remarkable. It was one of the best atmospheres I've been in. And honestly, it gave me just like a World Series vibe, like this team is going to do something. Did it feel weird or different or uncomfortable or anything like that? No, I, I think once you got in there, you're just kind of watching baseball and everything felt normal. The first time I went, it, it definitely felt weird. I think it was, it felt weird because the lack of people there, but the amount of people in there just kind of felt just, it felt normal to me. Besides the two little Royals fans in front of me that are staring at me and slowly ripping off the Raphael Devers' heads on the bobblehead, that was slightly intimidating. Yeah, my good. All right, Sean. Uh, we're going to wrap up here soon. Just one more question for you, Sean, because we are pretty much exactly three months in. We're about to hit July, about to hit the All-Star break and everything like that. Uh, should be lots of fun as usual. Excited for the home run derby as I usually am. But uh, I got to I gotta ask you, with the, this kind of midway point we're approaching, with the Red Sox and with the MLB season and everything we've already talked about, everything that's kind of gone on. Um, and the Red Sox now at, let's see, 80 games. So just a ru- just shy, one game shy. Tonight will be there, the actual midway point. Uh, so I got to ask you, at the midway point, what's your confidence level? Give me, give me, how, how, do the Red Sox, do you think they're a serious contender? Do you think they, do you think when it comes time for the playoffs that you're going to look at the Red Sox team and say, this is a team that I truly believe can win the World Series. Absolutely. If the Rays still had glass now, I would be a little bit more intimidated, but I just don't think there's that many teams in the AL East that really scare me that much. So I think I'm, I'm very confident at this point, and I think we're going to make a few additions to the team before then. So I'm feeling very good about this team. I'd say a 9 out of 10 confidence level. Wow. Okay, Sean. Well, and I think you're right. It is interesting to, to note um, – you know how what what the Yankee season has kind of turned into because I think they've turned into what the most op- optimistic expectations were for the Red Sox to be. Um, you know this season and and they've ended up they've now dropped to fourth in the AL East, three games over five hundred, and it's just it's turned into a kind of a disaster for for them, a disastrous season, and it feels like they 
that changes have to be coming for them. I mean, you talked about um, the uh, the whole you know aspect of um, the, the, them giving up uh, a Davino and um, Whitlock to the Red Sox. That's just one element of it. Uh, their their season's been a nightmare. I think right now. Um, as I look at it, and the Yankees ha- had been favored to win the AL East for most of the season, if not the majority of the season. Um, it's been it's been uh, them, and then only until only recently, in uh, the beginning of June, did the oddsmakers finally say, "Okay, all right, we're, I guess the Yankees aren't maybe they aren't the best team in the AL East," and that kind of changed. Um, but the Red Sox only overtook them in, in I think just a, a couple days ago, sometime in in uh, later June. Is when they actually overtook them in the odds to, to win the AL East for the first time. So uh, right now, as it sits, it's Rays plus 160, Red Sox plus 175 in second, and Yankees plus 275 still lingering in third. So uh, you know, I I like you am am hopeful. I think that I I want to see what the team looks like with Chris Sale when he comes back. But I think, like I said, on on the surface of it. If their pitching is average and their offense is elite, which is the way it stands right now, I really don't see any reason for me to say that this team can't win a World Series. And I don't want any Blue Jays fans to hear this and think that I'm, I'm sleeping on them. So just to mention, I think the Blue Jays are a dangerous team, and I don't underestimate them because they can beat us up, and they could impact this division on every level. So any Blue Jays fans listening, I apologize for not mentioning it sooner. You may not be underestimating them, Sean, but Vegas is the, these the DraftKings the odds makers. Like I said, the Yankees are plus 275. The the Blue Jays have the biggest drop to plus 700. So, it goes from like un, just under 3 to 1 for all those other teams to 7 to 1, more than doubles for the Blue Jays. So, we may not be, but uh the odds makers still don't believe in the Blue Jays. No respect. <laughs> All right, Sean. Thank you so much for coming on Talking Red Sox. As always, really appreciate it, guys. Um, go check out Sean on Twitter at PalmerGuyBoston and check out SP Designs. All kinds of great designs over there. Sean, we need more Red Sox designs. We got they, They're having a great... We, we, yeah, you're making all these designs for, you know, these Julio Jones and all these... We, we, we need, we need the Red Sox designs to come in. People got to have those uh, th- those wallpapers for their for their stuff too. So uh, we need we need more of that stuff from you, Sean. But I know you always you always make great graphics. Uh, you make great stuff. So guys, just pl- like if you do anything after this podcast, go over to Sean's Twitter, check out his pin tweet and all this stuff because his designs have been, just I, I'll just say over the years like they've just gotten more and more incredible. Uh, I see you giving the Blue Jays love there too already. You've given them love at the end of the podcast and on the. Uh, the pin tweet with Vlad Guerrero Jr. But um, but yeah, guys, check out Sean's designs and his his Twitter for that SP designs because they are just incredible. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the kind words. All right, guys. So like I said, go check out Sean on Twitter at Palmer Guy Boston. You can follow me on Twitter at Bakejiro. Follow the pod on Twitter at Wicked Smart Pod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports as the month comes to an end. Tons of stuff up over there, and uh, we're gonna have more next month, obviously, with some big things happening. Uh, the NBA Finals going on and. Um, the uh, I would see the MLB All-Star Game NBA Draft's not too far away now uh, just uh, I think just about a month and a half out after the lottery happened so um, some great stuff as always over there so be sure to check it out thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week <laughs>